This is Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Welcome to Change for Your Dollar, a podcast where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money and faith. I'm your host, John Putnam. After two decades as a financial advisor and almost 20,000 conversations with people just like you, I noticed that money has a sneaky way of getting between us and God. And whether you have a lot of money or a little, your mindset around money affects your relationship to God and your life. Listen, friends, money's not bad, but it's also not easy. So let's explore together how to align your money choices with your faith, using money as a tool with God as your guide. Because I believe you can love God, have money, use it wisely, and boldly live a faithful life. Welcome to episode five of Change for Your Dollar. I'm John Putnam, and I have a special guest for you today and next week. This is a two-part podcast with my friend Megan Hyatt Miller. Megan's president and chief executive officer at Michael Hyatt and Company, a highly successful performance coaching company. And under her leadership, it's been an Inc. 5000 company three years in a row. And when she's not taking the company to new heights, she's fully present at home with her husband and five kids. I met Megan while attending their Business Accelerator program, and now I actually get to coach in that program. And it was at a coach's dinner when I first heard the story that I'm discussing today with Megan. And as soon as I heard it, I knew I wanted Megan to join me on my podcast to talk about it because I believed it would be of interest to you. All right, let me set up our conversation today this way. We work hard in our jobs, we sacrifice, and sometimes the efforts pay off in financial bonuses. But today, we're talking about how this big bonus check came with an even bigger conversation. Megan, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, John, it's so fun to be on with you. What a treat. Thank you so much. It is great to be with you as well. It's good to see you. Even though everybody can only hear us, it's nice to be able to see you while we're talking. It's an added benefit on my end. That's right. It's almost as good as being together in person. Almost. That's (laughs) it. Listen, we've known each other four or five years. I've been a participant in Business Accelerator and some other programs at Michael Hyatt and Company. I even have the privilege to get to be a coach, which is an incredible privilege with everyone. And I had this idea for today's podcast because you might remember we were in the backyard of you all's home and having a dinner with all the coaches and you shared a really interesting story that was meaningful. It was poignant and just really meant a lot. And I thought, you know, that would be a great story to share because one of the areas that I think listeners really want to understand more about is how do children observe unique money moments in their parents' lives? So that's sort of the idea we're talking about today. And I'd love it if we wouldn't just get started by you sharing the story again. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, at the time of this story, you know, I was probably in my early 20s. So I was 
not really a child, but I'm the oldest of five children. My youngest sister at that time was probably about 11 or 12. So you can kind of imagine this the span of five kids. My dad was an executive at Thomas Nelson Publishers. He was trying to turn around a division that had been uh, failing and he was making amazing progress. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas Nelson, if you're not aware, is now called HarperCollins Christian Publishers, one of the largest Christian publishing companies in the world. And so he got that this privilege of turning around a division that had been really struggling. And he did it. I mean, went through incredible obstacles, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> almost literally to turn this thing around. He was so proud of himself because he went from being dead last when he inherits this division to no Number one, And you can imagine as someone, those of you who are familiar with the Enneagram, he's an Enneagram three, he's an achiever. I mean, this, this is like <laughs> yes, he music is. to his ears, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. oh he, he is he is riding high and he gets pulled into his boss's office and he gets handed the biggest bonus check of his life, you know, bigger than his annual salary at that point. And he can't wait to get home to my mom, uh, who they've now been married 43 years at this point. And, you know, he can't wait at this point of today, not back then, 20 years ago, but he can't wait to tell her all about, you know, this amazing check. And he he sits her down, honey, I got to tell you about this check that I got. He pulls it out and he's expecting her to just pull out the pom-poms and cheerlead and be so excited about what he accomplished. And it's like the look on her face doesn't quite match the moment from his perspective. Okay. And so all of a sudden the air kind of gets sucked out of the room. And she said, honey, we gotta, we gotta have a talk. You know, well, I'm so grateful for the way that you're providing for this family and the way that you take care of us. I gotta be honest with you. I feel like a single parent. Wow. Well, you can imagine his heart just sank, right? Cause he thinks, you know, he's just won the battle and he's bringing the trophy home and, and he's going to have a big parade. And, and instead what he's met with is, the fact that he has neglected all these needs at home in order to achieve this incredible career goal. Mm. And on the one hand, it's a huge win, but it happened by way of a huge loss to her, to my mom and, and to us as kids. Again, I'm, I'm a young adult at this point, but still, you know, my siblings who are still living at home, I mean, they kind of got a single parent situation with my mom trying her best to handle all the things at home so he can go off and achieve this goal. And to your point about, you know, how do kids perceive these things? I, you know, I, I think the takeaway, one of the things that he really experienced in that moment was the win that I thought was the win was not the win. You know, the needs that I thought I was responsible for, the kind of deal that I had and that I thought I had in my marriage was not the whole deal, that there were unmet needs both in my wife and in my children that I didn't really account for as I was pursuing this goal. And the kids and and the wife were left holding the bag. And so that was really the beginning of a, a huge turnaround from his perspective. And what does it mean to be a high achiever and to pursue uh, financial goals or revenue goals in that case, you know, and how can you do it in a way that's actually good for your family, but also good for the business, you know, that it doesn't really work when one happens at the expense of the other. Yes. 
I love the story then. I love hearing it again. That's exactly what we want to talk about on this podcast, right? These tensions that result around wealth and faith and life because they are very real and they don't get better on their own. They take intentionality and sometimes it takes an event like that to bring it to life. I mean, in one sense, from a corporate level, he just went from zero to hero, right? I mean, uh, which not exactly. which if you know your dad, which I do, no one is surprised, right? I mean, if anybody could do it, he, he can. And you're a chip off the old block, as they say. <laughs> but then he gets home and meets a totally different response. So you're the oldest of five girls. Now, that's right. when you observed that, how did you... How did you feel with that? Or when you observed it, what resulted from that, uh, from a feeling standpoint or just as a young adult, or maybe even how you saw some of your sisters respond? Well, you know, I, I think that as I look back, that was a singular event, but there were a lot of events that led up to that. My dad has been an entrepreneur and an executive for many, many, many years. And so all throughout my high school years in particular, um, he had gone back to Thomas Nelson after a season of being an entrepreneur and had been steadily making a lot of progress towards some of these accomplishments. And, you know, when I think back on that and the feelings I had was, on the one hand, I know I'm supposed to be excited for my dad. And on the other hand, I feel really empty because I know that that there was a check that I wrote for that accomplishment, you know, and that was true for all of my sisters. And I okay. should say, by the way, lest the story sound totally <laughs> grim that, you know, my dad and I have a great relationship and that he has really turned this around, which we may talk about later. But in that moment, what I thought was, I don't like this deal. You know, what this means is that I'm helping my mom out more than I would like because he's not around. It means that I am without his input and guidance at the level that I would like. You know, there's just not enough hours in the day to be a workaholic and to take care of your family in a hands-on, you know, when I say, you know, take care of your family, I mean, almost like in a pastoral sense, mm -hmm. there's just not enough bandwidth to do both of those things simultaneously. I do think it's possible to be successful in both areas of your life, but not using the strategy of workaholism, which is what he knew at that time, you know? And so um, I, I felt really alone, I think, and sad in some ways. On the other hand, I felt proud of him, but, but not without those other emotions kind of on the back end. Yeah, and not to be a spoiler alert, right? But the story is going to end well. So let me just go ahead and get that out That's there. That's right, right because, it does. <laughs> uh, because the relationship of your mom and dad and as parents with your sisters is incredibly special. It and is. there's a real positivity to this, especially the courage that Gail, your mom, had to bring this up. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's one yep. thing to just to go, oh, yeah, that's great. Nothing changes. But, you know, it took a little bit of courage, right, to bring this up at a point in time like that. But, but it was meaningful. Well, I think what was really special about it, and this is one of those things you only see in hindsight, she was really taking a stand for something greater in him than he even saw in himself. You know, I think he thought his primary job was to provide for our family financially. And that was sort of like the definition of success in his mind. And her definition of success was that, reimagined a little bit, but but leading together with her, our family, into the future, having a vision for 
what he was building with her and our family through the children in a way that I don't think he probably at that moment had a vision for. And what I loved is that she called him in that confrontation to something greater, which is really, I think when confrontation goes well, when people speak truth Mm. in love to us, it's because they're really calling us to something higher and better than we sometimes can see for ourselves in that moment. There's a certain grace in the difficulty of that conversation that is so apparent looking at it in hindsight. It was really his whole life and our life as a family really turned on that moment. If you look at it now, 20 plus years in the future from that story. Yeah, that is so very special. Okay, so so now fast forward to today, <laughs> right? So sometimes a story is just a story, but sometimes a story becomes a lesson. And that's really what happened yeah. here. So how is that affecting you now, your marriage with Joel, your parenting? Sort of fast right. forward today, what's happening now with that? Well, I should say, just to kind of bridge the gap, that that moment really became the seed of the business that we have now mm-hmm. at Michael Hyatt & Company and the work that we're doing with our clients, who you know, our small business owner clients, our corporate training clients and individuals that we work with. We're all about helping people do something we call uh, get the double win, which means winning at work and succeeding at life. You know, work is not the enemy. Work, as we know as Christians, is a good thing. I mean- yes. This is what we were made for in many ways is to create. And yet when it gets over dialed and becomes overwork, it becomes unhealthy and toxic and damages our life in, in certain ways. But but work is good. And also the priorities we have outside of work are good, like our families and our health and, you know, those most important relationships and things. And so we really believe it's possible to have both. And what happened at the on the backside of that story is that my dad met a coach who really challenged him to figure out what does it mean to win at work and succeed at life? You know, that was language we came up with later, but that launched him on a journey of figuring out work-life balance for himself. He went on to become the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, as it was called back then, and lead that successfully through the Great Recession and beyond. And had he not had that moment, all the things that have happened in his career and our business now, and what the transformation that we're able to affect for our clients wouldn't have been possible. So I'm so grateful for that, because I think that that was a huge failure in many ways. And yet it was so necessary for what God was calling our family into. And my parents are still happily married. As I said, they've been married for 43 years. They have nine grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like we have a really great life and a really great family. And all of that is because of that moment that my mom was courageous enough to confront my dad. And so, you know, your question, John, to me was, how does that affect my life? I have also five children, ages 20 to two. Mm. Um, I have a wonderful husband, Joel, who's an executive in our company as well. And I'm leading Michael Hyden Company as the CEO. You know, my younger three children, as you know, are adopted and all have some kind of special needs. And when my middle boys were adopted, they're from Uganda. When they came home in 2011, that was around the time that our company was starting. And, you know, a couple of years later than that, my dad said, hey, I want want you to step into the chief operating officer role. And I said, well, dad, I think I could do that and do a really great job as we're building this company together. But I got to tell you, I've got these boys with special needs and I can't let them down. I mean, I, I cannot do it. They are counting on me. I've got to be done every day at 3.30 to pick them up from school so that I can do all the things that they need after school. And I can't work at night and I can't work on the weekends because my family needs me. And he said, well, if you think you can produce the operating results, I'm here for it, you know, basically like gave me a ton of flexibility. Well, 
that worked. I mean, that's been a lot of years ago now. And that again was another moment that my life turned on where looking back at that experience that in my dad's history or family's history, I said, no, I get to do this the way he wished he could have done it back then. You know, this is history, not repeating itself, but history learning from the past, building on the lessons of my parents and getting to do something now with my dad, but with different, uh, under different conditions than he was able to do it all those years ago, 20 something years ago. Megan, I just, I love it. I can't even add anything to that, nor would I, I want to, just the way you tied that in a nice bow. You know, so many times these money stories that we observe and these money moments we observe in our parents, many times they don't end well, or they create yeah. a behavior in us that manifests itself in less than positive ways. But to see this to be a turning point where a story became a lesson, and not only a lesson then, which is really creating a movement, but now has made a difference in you that when you got started in this incredible career that has now led you to be CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company, you started out with the criteria of, hey, I want to be successful with that, but not at the expense of this, and that yeah. you were able to put the, right. the two together, which is just super special. But Megan, before I let you go, there are three questions that I love to ask my guests that I'd love to go over with you today. Question number one, when it comes to money, what comes most natural to you? I mean, is it spending, saving, investing, planning? What comes most natural when it comes to money? Okay, I feel like the right answer would be on the lower list, you know, <laughs> lower down on that list you just gave, but spending comes naturally. I have a husband who is a saver and I have a an amazing financial advisor who has roped me into his plans for my life because he's given me a big vision of the future, which I love the future. My number one strength on the strengths finder test is futuristic. So that has been a real key for me because if it were up to me, you know, I would be very focused on making my life beautiful in all the ways that I love and not making the future beautiful. So thankfully, I've got people in my life that have helped me. <laughs> I hear that's so good. What do you find is the most challenging naturally when it comes to money? What's most challenging for you? You know, I think one of the biggest challenges, and you and I have talked about this, is taking the vision that my husband Joel and I have for our financial resources and successfully passing that down to our kids. I feel like that is kind of the nut to crack. We have five children ages 20 to two and, you know, the two-year-old's not very concerned about money yet, but the other ones are. And, you know, we want to be good stewards, not only of, of our resources now, but also stewards of how we teach our children to be good stewards. And, uh, you know, you and I and, and my husband, Joel had a great dinner once and we, we talked about this and this is just a big challenge for parents. Yes, it sure is. And I can tell you, I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify it. I sort of joke sometimes. I've got three kids and I'm one of five. And you know, when I share with my children or try to give them wisdom, my kids have actually listened to me before. <laughs> That's such good it's news. It's rare, but, but, but they actually have listened to them. They've actually done what I've said before. I joke with that. I got great, great kids. Sometimes our kids will do what we say, but I remind parents this, and we talked about this at dinner that night. Our children will always do what they see. Yeah. So whatever financial characteristic or any characteristic for that matter, whatever money financial characteristic that you want your children to have, let them see you 
in that characteristic, in that moment, in the way you want them to perceive it. And not just once, but repetitively over time. That's the best way, right? You can tell them about it all day long. You can teach about it all day long. But when they see you do it, and they see that it's beneficial, that does something special, right? It's mm-hmm. the proverb, you know, teach children the way they should go. When they're older, they will not yep. depart from it. And one of the best ways to teach is experiential. So, yeah, I, I love that. Listen, you're, on both of those, you know, what comes natural and what's most challenging, don't feel like the Lone Ranger, as they <laughs> said, right? A lot of people hit that. Before I let you go, I also want to know this. What's the best money advice you've ever gotten? And it can be either personal or in business. But if you look back, what's the best you've ever gotten? You know, I think one of the most important lessons I've learned in business around money is, as Dave Ramsey says, cash is king. And we have a rigorous Mm. process at Michael Hyde and Company for cash flow management. I get a document from my CFO every week where I can see what the next 16 weeks look like. And sometimes, depending on where we are in the year, much further than that. And that enables me to make decisions with confidence, also with time on my side. Now, here's the interesting thing. I have applied that to my personal life. I have a document that I keep personally that is basically a cash flow planning worksheet for our family. And that enables me to make similar decisions with my husband around our family financial planning. And I think it it just gives you the kind of visibility that leads to decisions that are congruent with your values. You know, when you get in a situation where you don't have good visibility and then you you don't have a lot of time on your side, we tend to make decisions that are not strategic and not in alignment with our values or our vision for our life or for our business. And so I think that this is one of the most powerful tools that you can have. I love using this in our business. I love having adapted it for my personal use. And it's been really powerful. Yeah, I think it was Ramsey when he was giving some guidance to one of my friends who was leading a pretty substantial ministry. And he shared with her growing and borrowing and things. And he was talking about growing Growing at the speed of cash. Mm, that's right? so this great. Cash is king, but growing at the speed of cash. Yep. Great, great thought there. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to continue this conversation on our next episode. We'll pick up where we left off right here in about a week. Well, John, thanks so much for having me. This has been a gift to me and just a blessing to be with you as always. Thank you so much. I sure hope you enjoyed this conversation with Megan today about how a big check created an even bigger conversation. And you will for sure want to join me for part two of this interview next week. After a conversation like today, you may be thinking, am I falling into a trap like that? You know, there are certain financial responsibilities and opportunities in all of our lives And sometimes we can all focus on a financial opportunity and forget to be present in other important areas of our lives. So I've got a quick diagnostic for you on my website, changeforyourdollar.com. And it's there to help you plan to identify potential problem areas and help you plan to be present. So I hope you enjoy that. And it's a free PDF download for you on changeforyourdollar.com. You've been listening to Change For Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Thank you for joining me for Change For Your Dollar, where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money, faith, and life. For more tools and resources, please visit changeforyourdollar.com. I'm John Putnam. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next time.